everyone, and welcome to the Annie Monday Podcast. My name is Colin Hemphill. And I'm Kayla Hemphill. On our show, we roll the virtual dice each week and must watch a randomly selected anime title. Thanks for joining us. Hello again. Our recording schedule's been a little bit hectic recently, but uh, we're back to it, and we are looking forward to our first live show next week, so that's exciting. This week. It is this week, I guess. (laughs) By the time this comes out, yeah. Yeah. Well, previously on our show, we hit the random button on Crunchyroll, and the mystery that was unveiled before our eyes is called Hamatora the Animation. This began as a manga series in 2013, followed by a 12-episode anime series in 2014 and a film in 2015, and like many of these franchises that we've looked at, turned into quite a few other things, including a turn-based RPG for the Nintendo DS in 2014, as well as a stage play also in 2014. Hold on, that's new. Yeah. I don't think we've had stage play before. I think we've had a few, but Hmm. yeah. I've seen quite a few... Like, random, seemingly not super popular anime series turn into some sort of stage performance. All that's next is a Broadway musical. Yeah. Or whatever they might have as an equivalent. We watched the first four episodes of the anime series, and um, we'll try to avoid major spoilers, but there might be a couple small ones for these first few episodes. Kayla, would you like to tell us about the plot? I would love to. The Hamatora Detective Agency will take on any task as long as the pay is right. Most of the work is easy considering their supernatural abilities. However, a new player has moved onto the field, and they're killing off people with powers. Will Hamatora be able to stop the serial killer, or will they end up one of his victims? So when we rolled this show, we kind of were looking at the plot details and and the episode titles and things like that. And we kind of had guessed that this was sort of a police procedural Mm -hmm. of sorts. And that's not really what the show is. No, not quite. Uh, In fact, I'd say primarily it's a superhero show. Yes. We see a lot of similarities with other kinds of superhero media that we're, we're used to and that we've talked about even on this show before. And this is one of the ones where a small percentage of the population has these supernatural abilities of some sort. And in this case, the the show calls them minimum holders. So if we refer to minimum holders or a minimum ability, that's kind of just their parlance for a superpower. Yeah, this specific genre is... Something that we've seen a lot in media in the last, I would say, 10 years or so. Um, This falls in line with a lot of the X-Men things that we've been seeing. And if anyone remembers the American TV show Heroes, there's a lot of similarities with what's going on in the show and other mediums like that. That there's a small number of people who have special abilities that vary they're not all the same they're radically different they don't really make physical sense they just sort of exist and manifest and it seems to be something that people have just inherited either genetically or spontaneously through mutations the specific story of this show and the manga series that it came from Uh, kind of revolves around the Hamatora Detective Agency, which you mentioned in the synopsis. And primarily, that agency is made up of 
two kind of main characters that we're going to talk about, um, plus quite a few other kind of freelance superhero people who work with these main characters. But to just kind of walk through some of the the specific plot stuff that happens in these first episodes, the plots, at least so far, have been kind of loosely connected, but largely they're they're also focused on a specific case or two cases and the detective agency is trying to figure them out. So you can kind of independently watch them. Uh, episode one, they, they take on two cases. One is about some kidnappings, which is kind of like the, if they were going to pick one of these two cases, they say, this is the like morally correct one. It's the one we should be taking. And the other case is just protecting a safe from thieves. And that's the lucrative option. So they can take that and try to, you know, actually make some money, which the this agency is not known for doing sometimes. Uh, and then they eventually learn that these two cases are linked um, because this group was kidnapping specific people who knew information about the safe that the other group was trying to steal from. And this is kind of something that we see episode to episode is that the detective agency will take on a case or multiple cases or people that they kind of work with will be taking on different cases and somehow they are all linked. And we've seen this in every episode so far where for whatever reason, all of the cases are connected and really the entire plot for an episode is the main character is real smart, and he figures out that they're connected. Yeah, the structure for each episode seems to be something along the lines of one of the main characters needs money, so he finds a case that he can solve, and there's probably another competing case, and he does some detective work, figures out the link, some sort of battle action thing happens, and then we get little glimpses of the overall story of what the bigger picture is, what the bigger problem, evil, what have you, is. So I guess straight away, if we're talking about plot details personally, what I'm seeing about this show that is not my favorite is that they they've set this show up as a detective show. Primarily it's about solving cases and it's about unraveling mysteries and ultimately there's some big bad who is like the puppeteer behind all of this stuff that's going on and it's the main character's job to uncover those mysteries and try to track down the big bad. And what they've decided to do is this whole superhero thing but the superhero stuff isn't even remotely related to the police work. They are not detectives because they have some superpower that makes them good detectives. Ultimately, what it is is that they're super smart, so they solve crimes, and then when it comes to the final confrontation with the bad guy, they have a superhero fight. And those two things are never linked at all. No, it's... It's definitely off-putting. They feel like two different shows. And 
And I would even say that the detective part is still kind of loosely detective work. Like when we were reading the synopsis, we thought it would be more of a cop procedural kind of show because you hear about detective work, you hear about them solving cases, and you think, okay, I generally know how this is going to go. They're going to like find out a case and then they're going to find clues and then that's going to reveal like the twist and and then they actually, you know, find the right person. I don't I don't really remember them even finding clues. It was more just like suddenly he had an epiphany and he realized that the cases were linked or he realized that the bad guy was, you know, the person in the mask all along, you know, very Scooby-Doo-esque. It doesn't really seem to speak into the fact that he's smart. It sort of reminds me of the show Sherlock in that you're supposed to know that Sherlock Holmes is like the greatest detective ever. And when you're watching the show, you see him like notice things, but you have no idea what any of it means. And then at the end, when he solves the crime, he tells you what all those things are. And you're like, well, I wanted to figure this out too. Like I couldn't have seen that or noticed that. So you're just kind of making me feel dumb. And that's that's what I see in this show. The show is just sort of like, He's smarter than you. That's why he figured it out and you didn't. Not because there's clues. Yeah, for sure. It it really feels disconnected in what they're trying to say about the main character, what they're trying to say about the police and the detective stuff, and then what they're trying to say about the implications of people having superpowers. Which is something they don't explain very well in this world. One, we have no idea how these powers came to be, if they're new, if they've been going on a while. It seems like they have to have been going on a little while because there's a school that all these kids go to. Yep. But the part that seems unclear to me is that, is this a secret? Are their powers a secret? Because they seem to indicate that the school is a secret that nobody's supposed to know about because when somebody mentions a school that didn't go to it, The characters are like, hold on, how did you know about this school? And yet, at the same time, the characters are having these huge battles, huge fights, in what seems like broad daylight, in a city, with other super-powered people, and nobody bats an eye. So, it's very unclear. The dialogue tells me that this isn't a widely known thing, but the actions seem to indicate that it's totally out in the open and it's fine with no repercussions. Yeah, and and so Hamatora is a private investigator organization it, that seems to be publicly known because in one of the episodes, these two like high school kids come to the agency and say, hey, we need your help to track down our missing teacher. And it's very unclear, like you said, do they know that this is a superhero private investigator or is it just some detective agency? And then likewise, the the police department is like involved in these cases too. There's specifically one character who has been longtime, longtime friends with the main character And they, like, work together on these cases, and the police detective knows about his powers, for sure. 
Yeah, so I I think we should start getting into some of the characters because, well, one, they have some really wild names that I really want to talk about. Yeah, they really are. Um, I think these names are said in English in the show. And um, I don't know if they're supposed to be like code names or if they are like actual names or or what, but they're kind of wild. And I think that's on purpose, but uh, just forewarning as we get into these names because they're great. Mm-hmm. Uh, our main character is Nice. Nice. Yeah. Nice. nice. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so... Nice is the is the guy we've been talking about who is supposed to be like super smart and he figures out all these cases because of his big super brain. <laughs> but in reality, his superpower is that he goes real fast. Yeah. That's about it. <laughs> um, like not a particularly overwhelming main character kind of superpower. Usually the, the like main character guys, though, are... I'm just super strong. Yeah. So at least it's not that, but still it's just like, okay, so he goes fast. Mm-hmm. And we had to look up what his power was. Yeah, it was really unclear. One thing I, I give them credit for is they don't try to overexplain it. They just show it to you and kind of let you figure it out, um, at least in the first four episodes. But... Nice's power in particular was just very confusing because of one, the way that it's activated, and two, what he does. They don't show him moving really fast or everything else slowing down. He just sort of moves. And we were trying to figure out, like, is he really strong? Is he fast? Is it something else? Is it something about controlling like waves or, you know, it it was just very unclear. Yeah, the way it's depicted just seems bizarre and it doesn't really help in conveying what the character is actually doing with his superpower. Because like you said, the way that it's activated is twofold. He puts on a pair of headphones that he wears around his neck and I guess somehow the music like turns his powers on. Mm -hmm. And then he does this snapping routine Mm -hmm. where he snaps his fingers and like that's how he moves around or but like they don't even show if if the snapping thing is required or if that's just something he does or or anything Mm -hmm. it's really really hard to follow Mm -hmm. and as a main character superpower that's kind of confusing yeah if you don't even know what they're trying to to show you Mm -hmm. and it could be that because we're currently in an entertainment phase where superpowers and superheroes are saturating the market, that we're kind of used to just being handed an explanation on what people can and cannot do. And the show doesn't do that, which could be refreshing Um, I think there's more stuff that goes into it that we'll talk about later with the animation that makes this really disconnecting. I also love the fact that 
you could defeat his character by just breaking his headphones. <laughs> it seems like a seems like an oversight. We don't inherently know that the headphones are required or if it's just for flavor. Uh, well, either way. That's the part that's really confusing. <laughs> so Nice also has a partner, and this is kind of our secondary main character, you could say. Um, they're part of a duo who is kind of the main driving force behind the private investigator agency, and that is Murasaki. If if the show does one thing that all cop shows do, it is between these two characters, and it's that they are opposite personalities. When Nice is more of your laid-back, want-to-do-the-right-thing, and doesn't necessarily care about how he does the right thing, as long as it's not causing more damage. Murazaki is definitely the rule follower and definitely wants to make sure he's getting paid. And he's just more reserved and quiet. And between the two of them, it feels like your kind of standard buddy cop show. Yeah, so Murazaki's superpower is also unclear. It's something about being strong. Mm-hmm. He, like, removes his glasses mm-hmm. and turns to stone or something. Mm-hmm. Very unclear. When I first watched it, I thought it had something to do with, like, reversing polarity. Because I think somebody, like, threw a rock or something at him. And he, like, kind of touches it. Like, it doesn't look like it's a full Superman kind of punch. And then it it doesn't shatter or anything. It it stops for a second on his fist hand and shoots back at the person who threw it at him. But then later we are shown things that indicate that it's more about either durability or strength. Again, unclear. So the the detective agency kind of operates out of this cafe called the Nowhere Cafe. <laughs> and uh, those two guys that we just talked about are kind of the main people for that agency. But there is one other person who is technically part of it, and that is Hajime. And we know almost nothing about her. She likes food. She basically sits at this cafe and uses all of the organization's money to buy food for herself. And that's all we've seen of this character so far. It's indicated that she has powers. We just don't know what they are yet. We have literally only seen her eat food. We've also briefly mentioned the person with the police who is friends with Nice, and that is Art. Uh, Noticeable characteristics about him is that for how high up he is in the police department... He's very wispy looking. He almost looks like a child. He has this very light hair. It's kind of cut in this boyish way. He's very short and thin. Um, And he is obsessed with candy and sweets. Like, we constantly see him having some sort of sweet or something nearby him. This pretty much sounds like me. (laughs) Yeah, well, you're not wrong. Uh... He also does not have a minimum, mm-hmm. 
So I guess he kind of utilizes his relationship with Nice to aid him and they kind of work with each other to solve cases. It's interesting because they talk about how Art went to the school that all these other minimum users went to, but he doesn't he doesn't have an ability. Right. But he did well. I think they said he came in second in his class, uh, which reminded me a lot of Deku from My Hero Academia, except Deku eventually gets powers. Um, but it it's sort of like what you were saying before of why is a person who clearly doesn't have abilities like trying to force their way into a reality, into a world in which they're ultimately setting themselves up to fail. And that's sort of what it seems like with this guy. Because you can start to see him being like really concerned about minimum users, partially because he's aware of the killings that are going on. But it does seem to bother him that he doesn't have powers, but we don't know much more than that. Speaking of the killings going on, (laughs) uh, let's talk briefly about Moral. Yeah, that was right on the nose. Yeah, uh, again with the names. (laughs) So Moral is kind of, his name in fact is only like briefly mentioned in the part that we saw, but they're building him up as the antagonist for the series, and what we've essentially learned about the character is that He is going around killing minimum users and extracting their brains and collecting them and then somehow using those to provide the abilities of those dead users to people who didn't have abilities before. Yeah, when Colin says extract, he really does mean like extract. Like he takes the entire brain out of the body, puts it in a jar, which he has a lot of them on a wall that he talks to. Yep. He talks to them like they're alive, which, I mean, I guess when you're a serial killer, what's to be expected? Now, what exactly his purpose with, like, giving abilities to normies is, I'm not sure. He does kind of go into a monologue with Art about the unbalanced nature of the world and kind of almost in a sense like redistributing the wealth but it's it's not really a true distribution because it only goes one to one it doesn't it doesn't go like oh i can give this one ability to 20 people it's it's still you're just giving it to the one person yeah like killing off a minimum user to create a new minimum user still equals one minimum user Yeah. Except now one person is dead. (laughs) Yeah. So it it seems a little unclear, and that maybe is just because we're four episodes in. But, yeah. Again, the powers in this universe don't make a lot of sense. So I won't spend too much time on the remaining characters. There are actually a whole lot that we haven't seen yet. Um, But even up to this point, we've met a whole lot of characters, which is kind of the normal thing for this kind of superhero show uh but to briefly mention some of these we've got birthday (laughs) who kind of just does odd jobs at the cafe and he has like electric shock powers we've got ratio 
who is Birthday's partner, and he has x-ray vision. Mm -hmm. And then we recently met Honey and Three, and they are like hired bodyguards, basically. Yep. And uh, Three is like a big lion guy. Mm-hmm. He turns into a beast thing. Well, I think that wraps us up on the characters and the story. So we're going to take a quick break and then we'll talk about animation and final thoughts. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to the show. Kayla, would you like to talk about the production quality of Hamatora? Yeah, so as as far as character designs go, the characters themselves are pretty standard. There's nothing really that stands out about them. I, I would say that the thing that the show has tried to put the most emphasis on is its coloring, which is something we haven't really talked about. Um, something they use a lot in the show is this gradient coloring pretty much everywhere. Everywhere that they could, they used it. Um, and there's a lot of these really bright neon colors in a lot of places. In some places, it looks pretty cool. It works. In other places, it, it gets really messy and kind of blurry like hard to hard to distinguish what's going on because not only do they use some of these neon colors and this gradient coloring in the character designs themselves but they also use it in backgrounds and in fight sequences and so it just ends up being lots of bright colors all the time yeah i i feel kind of torn about the animation in some some ways it feels like stylish and cool it's kind of like the persona vibe that you mm -hmm. might get yep but they also made some choices that i don't think quite work with that aesthetic and you end up with kind of this mishmash of of stuff going on so you said you mentioned the gradients and some of them are really cool um because they're not just like it goes from an orange to a yellow or like a, a natural kind of gradient. It's a striking like they go from a, a neon green to a neon blue or a red or something. Yeah. Um, and so they're they're very striking color changes, and I think that's pretty interesting. But something that I noticed is because they do that, what ends up happening is the show has like really detailed backgrounds, and then very flat kind of. Um, almost video game-like characters. Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of interesting where the, the characters stand out against the kind of detailed 
uh, more drab backgrounds because they're so bright and interesting and, and weird in that way. Um, but also it's a little bit off-putting sometimes. The whole aesthetic kind of almost reminds me of Jet Set Radio or something like that, a kind of like 90s punk sort of thing almost. Mm-hmm. Um, you said the, the character designs don't have any like noticeable features, um, but what's up with all the bandages on Nice's face? Yes, there's three. There's two. There's one on each cheek. There's one that goes across his nose. And it was funny because as I was really like looking at the character and his character design and everything, he is very reminiscent of Spike from Cowboy Bebop. The coloring is different, but his hair's kind of the same poofiness. Um, he's not quite as elongated as uh, Spike is. Spike is supposed to be, like, real tall and thin. Um, but he just has that same sort of look, except he has these huge bandages across his face. Completely unexplained. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I don't know what's up with that. And then we we mentioned before he's got, like, a pair of headphones that he carries around on his neck. Mm-hmm. I am so over that look. I hate it. I really don't like that character design. And the fact that they based his entire, like, superpower thing on the fact that he has to wear headphones around his neck. Man, I can't get behind it. (laughs) So, in regards to the music production that's sent in the show, I don't have anything that's really stand out for me. Um... I thought the intro and outro fit the theming of the show well, which is kind of a surprise, but they weren't remarkable in any way. However, I am really disappointed by the fact that the main character's trigger seems to be related to listening to music from his headphones and music isn't more featured in the show because it it would make sense if they used a a little so that when he did trigger his powers, the music suddenly became a big thing. But they don't really do that either. You can kind of hear it playing through his headphones and then there'll be like the normal battle music. But it's not it's not like it's the music that he's listening to. At least it doesn't really seem to indicate that. And so it could have been a really cool way for us to get to know him as a character since it's something that he uses. And I feel like they dropped the ball on that. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it was a missed opportunity. And I think it just adds up even more to the fact that they kind of just threw this character together. And they're like, okay, I'm going to put some headphones on him. And I guess that'll be the trigger for his power. I don't know, whatever. And they don't utilize any of that in the animation or in the music. And it kind of just makes the production feel flat. So, yeah, a lot of missed opportunities there. I agree the intro music is fine. It was pretty decent song. The outro, mm, not so much. <laughs> and likewise, I think the outro animation is one of the most boring <laughs> outros I've seen in a long time. Yeah. It's just like some character portraits floating mm-hmm. on the screen. <laughs> so, so I, I don't know it. It feels like they were going for the persona thing in a lot of elements of the show. 
and just kind of miss that mark because it's a very high mark and they should have just <laughs> done something more unique, I think. And it does feel like different parts of the production didn't talk with each other. So like the music didn't seem to pay attention to what was going on with the animation. The people who did the coloring didn't seem to look at what was going on with the animation or what was going on like with the people coloring the backgrounds and things like that. So there are pieces that like individually might look good or might work, but when you put them all together, sometimes they it's it's either way too much or it's nothing at all. And that's a shame because I see a lot of good things throughout the show that could have worked and that could have been really fun to watch and not have been Persona. Like it could have been its own thing and made that work. And unfortunately, we're kind of left with these pieces of things that don't go together, that don't feel cohesive. In other news, uh, we watched the first episode subtitled and we watched the other episodes dubbed and a pretty decent Sentai dub. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the voice acting for both was good. Um, I, I would say whatever your preference is, you'd probably be able to enjoy the acting in both. To wrap us up, you had kind of talked before about how inevitable it is that this kind of genre is going to be compared to a whole lot of other pieces of media. Just because superhero stuff is so saturated in the market and it's really easy to mess up, it's really easy to get lost in the noise, and to really make something of a superhero show, you have to do something interesting or at least have enough pieces that are really good to make it compelling and to be able to not just compare it to X-Men or to Heroes or to My Hero Academia. And personally, I, I think it it's one of the ones that gets lost in the noise. Yeah, I would agree. It's something that if if this was your first time encountering something like this, then I would say it it might be okay, you know, like it's it's worth watching because the idea isn't a bad one. It's just that it's been used so much, especially when it comes to the, like, somebody's hunting down the special people and are they going to be able to fight back? And um, it's just something that's been done. And that can be really interesting. And there's a lot that they can do with that. There's so many different components that they can go. And this show might do a good job of that. Um, but me having experienced different versions of this same story and seeing how well some of those other shows or movies or or what have you executed that same story, this isn't giving me anything new, at least not that I've seen. And so it's hard to latch on to it because it's just sort of like it cherry picked from a few different things, but it didn't actually make something that works all together. Yeah, and additionally, I had I had mentioned before about how the kind of whole concept for the show doesn't really work because they're they're not leaning into the superhero thing or the detective thing nearly enough. 
Um, the concept of like a show where they use superpowers specifically to help them solve crimes could be interesting if those characters had specific superpowers that were geared towards helping them solve crimes. And I'm sure that's been done before, but that's not what this show does. It just kind of tries to have these two competing genres of superhero stuff and cop stuff and kind of smash them together and see if it works. And it doesn't because it just ends up with two completely different shows going at the same time. Uh, which is to say, every single case that they solve is solved because they're super geniuses, not because they're superheroes. And then it, the case just devolves into uh, the superheroes will fight the bad guys with their superpowers, and you have a big superhero fight. And um, that lack of fluidity and lack of integration with the genres doesn't really work out in its favor. Additionally, I also think that their superpowers are generally just pretty uninteresting. Yeah, they're your pretty standard powers. There's the x-ray vision, the super speed, the super strength. A lot of times you end up just taking apart Superman's powers and divvying them out with people. And you're right, there's, there's nothing inherently interesting, not about how they're using their powers. And the only thing that I would kind of note that could have been interesting if they explained it more is that they seem to need some sort of physical trigger in order to activate their powers. So we talked about how Nice has the headphones and he does the snap and that's when his powers will kick in. We don't know if that's for flavor or not. There's other instances that make it seem like, okay, maybe this is something that everybody has to do. Um, we talked about Mirzaki. He takes off his glasses. I don't know why the glasses. Um, birthday has to put a taser in his mouth. Like he, he kind of is like licking it, I guess. And that allows him to shock people. I think ratios, he removes his eye patch. He always has an eye patch on. I think that's to like, so he doesn't see through everything all the time. But then again, it then it it's confusing of, is this a thing that happens all the time or does it need a specific trigger? If it were a world that needed the physical triggers, that could have been a really interesting story to see how people could literally take away their powers. Yeah, and because none of that is explained or brought up, it feels like that's not what it was going for. Mm -hmm. It feels like the author couldn't think of any interesting superpowers, and so they started adding in stuff. Mm -hmm. So, nice goes real fast. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, that's kind of boring on its own, so... He's going to trigger it by putting headphones on. Yeah. And he's going to do these snaps to to move different places real fast. And it's just kind of like, blah, mm -hmm. here it is, yeah. the character. And those, those things just piled on top of him going real fast don't make him interesting and mm -hmm. don't make his superpower interesting if they're just like stuff that's added on for some sort of aesthetic flavor. Yeah. Uh. 
I think his superpower is supposed to be that he moves at the speed of sound, which is kind of funny because that's not <laughs> that fast <laughs> comparatively. No, but that's how fast Sonic moves, apparently, so. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's a whole nother thing. Yeah. Um, again, if that was explored more, that could be really interesting of him needing some sort of trigger. And then you could see how, well, does that mean like he'd move slower through different mediums? He'd move faster through different mediums? Uh, that could be really interesting. But no, that's not where this went. No. At least not in four episodes. So, Kayla, after today's discussion, how do you feel about this show, and uh, would you watch more of it? I'm going to go with probably not. Um, Like I said before, this is something that I've seen before. At least I've seen flavors of it before, and I've seen it to a satisfaction that I enjoyed. And this seems, the show seems to be doing it in a less successful way. And so, like I said before, if you haven't seen this kind of plot play out, this could be interesting to you. You you might enjoy it because overall, it could be a general premise. If only I had not known that other places have done this exact same thing and have done it more successfully, then I probably would have enjoyed this show. But because I know it can be done really well somewhere else, just sort of feels like, ah, swing and a miss. I'm also going to say no. And for a lot of the same reasons you talked about, as well as what we talked about (laughs) throughout this episode, really. Um, But then there's even like things that I didn't get around to um, that just kind of add up to me being bothered by this show more than I'm I'm fascinated by their weird animation choices or or you know any of the things that might draw me in otherwise uh, like how the lesser characters are more interesting than the main characters or how the antagonist is comically evil and his name is moral <laughs> <laughs> okay and like how the the mysteries themselves, the actual cases they're solving, you had said earlier how it's just like something clicks in his head and they're solved all of a sudden. They're not even unraveling these mysteries. They're just being solved passively. Yeah. And they're really, really kind of stretching with how nice is coming across these answers so easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all of these things like, it's kind of appealing at first, but then you realize it's just doing things that other shows do, but way worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, uh, no, I don't I don't think I'm going to continue with this one. All right. Well, I think that about does it for this one. If you want to learn more about our show, you can visit our website at anamonday.moe. That's anamonday.moe. You can send us any questions or comments that you have to podcast at anamonday.moe. And you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Our username is anamondaycast. You can find links for that on our website. If you want to comment at us or like our page, we try to post. Yeah, yeah, as much as we can. (laughs) You can also uh, give us a rating on iTunes or wherever your podcasts are, and that would be helpful as well. 
Okay, now I get to talk about the really exciting news. We are going to be... Have merch. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I was going to talk about, but sure, we have merch. That's right. The Annie Monday merch store is now open. Colin is really proud of this, y'all. He worked really hard to get the store up and going. Yeah, um, the website's been redone a little bit, and you can go to animonday.moe and click on the merch link, and you'll be able to see the small selection of merchandise that is available for purchase now. Uh, or you can go straight to animonday.moe slash merch, and there you will find the much-coveted Annie mug, which is <laughs> our favorite creation so far. <laughs> Kayla and I both use them frequently. Yeah, it's my work cup every day. Uh, so those are really good looking, um, and you can also get a sticker pack and a spiral notebook, and both of those are very cool as well. Woo! Uh, but anyway, you can check those out. So what I was actually going to say <laughs> is that we're going to be at Anime CTX on May 24th. Uh, so our live show is actually on the first day of the convention, which is on Friday, the 24th, and our show is at 9.30. Yeah, and according to the schedule that's up right now, um, this could change. So just when you get there, make sure you're looking at the most up-to-date schedules that they have. But we're currently scheduled for panel room 3E, which is also called the Bastrop Meeting Room, at 9.30 p.m. Yeah, we're excited to see everyone there. Yeah, thanks so much to everyone who has said that they're coming, and we're excited to see you. And this will be exciting as our first live show. Yeah. Also, bear with us, because we have no idea how it's going to sound in recording. (laughs) Thank you so much to Crunchyroll for all of the anime that you provide, and for the Random Button, which produces these wonderful and wonderfully terrible results. Quit mocking me. (laughs) Never. If you want to follow along with us each week, we'll have a link to the current title on our website and social media, so you can watch what we're watching. Finally, thanks to C2A for providing the intro and outro music for our show which come from the Senpai EPs that you can buy on his Bandcamp and other major streaming services. All right, are you ready to roll for our live show? I guess so, yeah. We're going to not only determine our own fate, but the fate of many (laughs) people in a live audience, so... Uh, Bear with us. (laughs) All right, random button in three, two, one. Our anime for the live show is called, and this is in all caps, so I'm going to yell it. Oh, gosh. Card Fight Vanguard! <laughs> okay. Oh, you're right. It is all in caps. There's some exclamation points in there, too. Yeah. Uh, and the first episode is called Stand Up Vanguard. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. This is a card building show. Oh, no. It looks very Yu-Gi-Oh-esque. Yeah, it does. Those hairstyles. Oh! <gasps> That dude looks like Brock. <laughs> he even has the closed eyes. Mm-hmm. It's Brock. Oh, man. Are we getting like a weird Yu-Gi-Oh! Pokemon crossover? All right. Well, here we go. Yeah. Congratulations to uh, those who are going to enjoy this in the audience. Or not enjoy it. We'll see. <laughs> well, we'll see you guys on Friday. Yeah. And uh, if you're not in Austin and uh, are going to be listening to the live recording later, um, We hope you enjoy it, and we hope it's not terrible. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time. Bye, everyone.
we are going to be have merch. Uh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's not what I was going to talk about, but sure, we have merch. The end. <laughs> <laughs> so proud of yourself. Oh yeah. You knew you were going to do that too, no, didn't, I didn't you? Oh. Very spur of the moment. <laughs> You're the worst. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 